to define if something is healthy or unhealthy, it has to be very individualized. So if someone comes and asks me that, it depends. It depends on what your goal is, what's your timeline on that goal, how are you trending towards that goal or away from that goal, and your current lifestyle. So we really want to break this down. Hi, I'm Scott Schutte. And I'm Dr. Janine Steister. Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Coach with the Jock and the Doc. We are here to disrupt some of the current thinking around how the fitness industry approaches clients. Our goal is to educate and inspire fitness professionals to get the results, income, hours, and career that they want and deserve. Our combined experience in education in psychology and fitness create a new insight on ways to become the ultimate coach. Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Coach. I'm the Jock, and this is the Doc, and today we're going over defining healthy. And so it seems like a very simple concept. Well, things are healthier, things are not. And I hear this a lot from clients, but this is a big mindset. This is kind of an educational thing that we need to do with our clients so they have a better understanding of what they can and can't do based on their goals. So what we're trying to do is stay away from extremes, and we talked a little bit about that in the last one, and getting away from absolutes. Because really, to define if something is healthy or unhealthy, it has to be very individualized. So if someone comes and asks me that, it depends. It depends on what your goal is, what's your timeline on that goal, how are you trending towards that goal or away from that goal, and your current lifestyle. So we really want to break this down because the better clients understand this, and if they can find ways to work in some of these things that they so-called think are unhealthy, and they can stick to the plan longer, then we have a great plan for that person. And we've all heard this, like this assumption, whether you're out socially or your clients are coming to you, and this assumption is like, I was bad because I had ice cream, or um, you know, I know this is unhealthy, but I really like these chips. And what happens when we do that is, when, when any of us do that, is we start pairing guilt, shame, negativity with certain behaviors. And then when we feel like, oh, well, we want a treat or we want something special, it's like, oh, we should go into that guilty in that area and have that. And then again, it reinforces that cycle. And so what we need to do instead is uncouple some of these pairings. And again, it's, it's, you see it on package labeling at the store. You see it on the TV ads or, um, or whatever people are looking at is that, oh, this is a healthy snack. And that implies the other ones are unhealthy. Whereas again, depending on where you are with your goal, what your goal is, um, can you have some ice cream with your kid on the weekend? Um, well, of course. It's just how much, when, um, depends on all of these factors. So one of the big things I, I initially talk with clients is, I talk about food and drink can enhance experiences. It is a anniversary, it is a birthday party, it's you know, a weekend with friends from college or whatever it is, and you want to indulge in a few of these things, like we try to make it work in. Um, the problem is when people, and Janine got into this, of thinking that this is bad, if, if they do this thing on a Friday night, they're like, well, I was already bad, so F it for the weekend, um, because I feel guilty about it, and so I'm just gonna keep doing it. And then Monday rolls around, and they are further away from their goals than where they were a week before. And that's what we're trying to get people away from. We're trying to get people away from these extremes. And if people can work in these things that they really enjoy, then they're gonna stick with this long term. The problem is most people come and they're like, okay, I'm ready to work with a coach. I know you're gonna take away all the things that I enjoy. And I, I like to push that early on. I'm like, no, I wanna work those things in. Now, you know, we talked about this in 
couple sessions back. We need to figure out what the goal is, what the timeline is, what the minimum effective dose is. If we can figure out what those things are and you're progressing, then we can work in all these other things. And so that's the key. Can we, can we see progress and can we enjoy some of these lifestyle things that we find very valuable? And the other part of this is, you know, people talk about yo-yo dieting or yo-yo behavior or the pendulum swinging. When we have this, you know, weekend where we had that evening where we had drinks with friends and we view ourselves as bad guilty and then we just say F it for the weekend, then the natural inclination is one of two things if I have this goal for, let's say, weight loss. It's either to be like, okay, I'm not eating for three days. And then, you know, we go a day or something where you didn't eat all day, and then all of a sudden somebody's starving at like 8 o'clock at night, and now they're eating the crap food, right? So it's creating this cycle, and, and or um, when, you're, when they're meeting with their coach, they may not be fully forthcoming because they feel that guilty and shame, and they don't want to say, like, I have messed all of this up, and because that's what's going on in their head. So if we can look at this sort of, we talked about minimal effective dose before too, is what does healthy and unhealthy look like? Where is it on the continuum towards your goal? Then we can put in perspective a Friday night with friends or um, one day where, you know what, your choices just weren't as good as they could have been, um, as opposed to, as Scott said, those extremes and absolutes. So let's break down a few of these examples. Like someone comes in like, I, I really enjoy drinking craft beers. Well, you know, it, it depends on how many craft beers we're, we're doing. It depends on, you know, what else are we doing uh, while we're having those craft beers. If, you, if you're doing, drinking craft beers and you're eating most of the food that the craft beer places are at, calories are going to go super high. And if the goal is weight loss, like, that can hinder that. But that doesn't mean you can't have the craft beers. What I talk with a lot of people about is figuring out the, the kind of why what you're doing that. And we'll get into root causes and more replacements later, but I'm talking specifically about the drinking. Like, are you trying to get a little bit of head change or are you trying to enjoy the drink? Because that's going to set up a different scenario of like what you're actually doing there. And so if we can, we can definitely work in a couple, two, three craft beers a week for most people and see some sort of progress if the other things are in alignment. The problem is when we, when we talk about this unhealthy is when we're, we're, we're just drinking without a plan. We're just over-consuming that. So if we can figure out ways to kind of scale some of this back, find replacements, like these things can work in a healthy scenario because that might be a connection point that they're doing with their buddies or I was going to say kids, but they have to be at a certain age to make that work. <laughs> um, but that, that, that's what we all need and crave. Like we want to be a part of a group and tribe and we need um, some sort of escape and, and fun in our lives. So if we can do that with just having a, a two, three beers, then it is more of a healthy thing. If we're doing it by ourselves, just getting super drunk, it can be an unhealthy thing. So it just kind of depends on where we're at and what we're trying to get out of it. And that's also a great example. You know, we hear more and more a little bit about this like mindful eating, and that's been sort of a, um, a phase or more language that's been going on. But I find a lot of people aren't clear what that means. Um, and there's some examples where um, out there that um, it isn't clear and it, it doesn't kind of make sense, to be honest. But when we really think of mindful eating, that's a great example of like the beer. Why am I doing it? What do I want to get out of this evening? If I just really enjoy the taste of craft beer and I really just want to be with my friends in this setting, then I might say like, okay, a beer, a water, a beer, a water. That'll cut in half maybe what I'm drinking. But am I thoughtful about it? And if I go in there with intention, I want to enjoy the flavor and I want to enjoy my friends. How many of those I have does not detract from enjoying my friends and enjoying the flavor. So whether it's two or five, 
I'm probably enjoying my friends more too, maybe not. But the point is, is that why am I doing that? And does two work versus five? Sure, I still enjoyed the flavor and I still got to spend time with my friends. So the next one, running. So people come and they're like, I'm, I'm running on the weekends. My question is, do you like running? So some people are like, I love running. I'm like, great, since you love it, I wanna make this a part of your program. Some people are like, I hate running. I'm like, let's find something else to do. Like some people come in, they're like, well, I have to run because that's healthy for me and I need that to lose weight for cardio reasons, all this stuff. Like there's so many different things we can do. Like I don't, when it comes to the physical side, if someone really hates it, even if I'm training them, I'm like, I, I hate doing squats. I'm like, cool, we can do something else. Track bar deadlift, walking lunges, there's so many different options. So keeping people away from that hate thing because honestly, if they hate it, they're not gonna stick with the long term. And what we need to do is, is find these, these movements, these activities, this food, this lifestyle that they can do long term. Well, and on, on the other end of that too is running may be good for a lot of things, but if you are doing it so much that you're having injury, um, that you're not feeling good, or you're having a hard time even just eating healthy because you're so exhausted or so over that, that you're just eating whatever just to kind of replenish, is it any longer healthy? How, how's it matching your goals? And um, so really looking at that and again, tying it back to that goal. Why are you doing this? And to Scott's point, do you also enjoy it? But don't overextend just because it's considered a healthy behavior. Going down to processed foods, and this one's always funny to me, these people are like, oh, you know, I don't eat any processed foods. I mean, it's tough. Like, we're talking about cutting meat in the form of processing food. And so, like, I recommend um, this Applegate chicken sausage for people. The calories are good, the macros are good, the taste is good. But that would be considered a processed food. Like, I recommend daily harvest for people um, because it's a smoothie that you can live to your house. The taste is good. Um, if you're choosing the right ones, the macros and calories are really good for it. And, and it works really well for people, but that'd be kind of in this processed food category too. So are there some processed foods that um, will go against your goals? Again, if you're having too much of them and you're over consuming them because um, they're easy to over consume, um, yes, that can be unhealthy. But again, it's staying away from these extremes and these absolutes of, I need to be, and we talked about this in an earlier one, you know, zero sugar, no processed foods, all these things. Like some of these things work out really well in your plan. Yeah, and it goes back to also, again, why? Why don't you want to eat processed food? Is it because it's paired in your head that processed food is junk food, is all of those things? Well, then that's what you want to avoid, but not just processed food for processed food's sake. Um, or is it because you want fewer ingredients, you want all organic? What is it that you really want that means something to you, um, as opposed to using some of these overused and oftentimes misused terms um, that people kind of get worried about and they feel like if I'm eating processed food by default, I'm eating unhealthy. Well, again, it depends and what are you looking at, what's your why, and what's your goal? Chocolate's an interesting one because I feel like it's gone back and forth. Like you'll see studies now like, oh, you eat chocolate, you're gonna magically lose weight. Well, that's not exactly how it works in the sense of um, if I'm having too many calories and, and I'm consuming too much of the chocolate, it, it might not be the, the right goal. But at the same time, like if we can manage how much we're having in this, if it's something like, like we talked earlier, the, the beer, like this is like I had the chocolate with my kids um, every once in a while. Like it's our enjoyment. Like these things work in there. Like I, that's the big thing we're trying to get across here is like almost everything can work into the plan. It's just figuring out you know, your goals, your timeline, how you're trending, and what you really want. Um, can you add all these things in? Probably not. Can you add in some of these things um, planned and have a good approach for it? Absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and again, that's a great example of what is it you like about the chocolate? Is it the connection? It's one of your um, your spouse's favorite things or a kiddo and you like to connect that way? Or is it you like chocolate but it's got to have caramel and nuts in it? Um, then saying, oh, I'm just eating plain milk chocolate or I read a study says dark chocolate's good for me. If I hate dark chocolate, eating more and more of it just because it's healthy, it, it's not serving two purposes. It's not moving you towards your goal and you're not enjoying it. So asking your clients about like, what about that? Um, and then can they have high taste and maybe a low amount versus low taste and a large amount? Uh, the next one is sugar. And, and again, this is why it goes back to goals. Like, are you trying to put on size? Some of these post-workout carbohydrates with, might have some sugar in it, could be very good for you. Are you trying to improve performance? Um, I like to do uh, cereal after a very hard workout, but most people are like, oh, cereal is very unhealthy for you. Well, if if I am very sedentary and I'm very overweight and I'm getting way too many calories in, cereal might not be the best fit for me. But again, it's not this continuum of where you're at, where do you want to go, like what are you doing activity-wise, um, and figuring out where these things fit in. Yeah, and I think that's a great example too of and or this word cereal. Cereal isn't bad or good. But also what kind of cereal? There's going to be some that are super high in sugar, others that are going to have some other ingredients that are healthy and, and, and helpful. Diet soda is a funny one because you'll, see, you'll, you'll hear people debate about this all the time. Um, now, my biggest thing when we're, we're throwing something with uh, uh, artificial sweetener or something that's just very sweet is like, okay, how does that affect what you're craving the rest of the day? If you're constantly having sweeter things and your meats and vegetables and fruits aren't that satisfying for you, that could be a little bit of a problem because then you're not going to want to eat that. But in general, when we're talking about not adding any extra calories and people go from like a regular soda to a diet soda um, and they're dropping their calories that way, it can be beneficial. Um, so again, it's just one of these things on this continuum of like, where does it work into your lifestyle? What are you doing it for? And how to make it work? Yeah, and that's a great example, or even I'll put the chocolate in here, is if I'm having, um, I'll go back to the chocolate part for a second, if I'm having a piece of chocolate instead of having a whole piece of chocolate cake, that works great, right? Especially if my goal is to reduce some calories and still get some satisfaction. Diet soda, some of these can be also part of the stepwise movement towards where you want to go. And so if you're drinking a lot of regular soda and you want to eventually get to a little bit more water in your, but you're struggling from going to all the super sugary soda to water and diet soda is going to help you sort of help your clients sort of get to that next step um, towards that, reduce some calories, kind of change up the taste of it, and then start adding water or flavored water then it might serve an exceptional purpose. But in and of itself, characterizing it healthy or unhealthy um, just sort of takes one more option off the table for them if, if they're going to extremes in their views of it. And the last one, protein balls. And this was funny, we were joking about it before we started recording, is that really most protein balls should be called fat carb balls because that's basically what they are. Like they are um, peanut butter and oatmeal and chocolate and delicious, absolutely delicious. And so it's basically a cookie. Um, when you break down the ingredients. And so people come in and like, well, I'm having protein balls I'm, and I know I'm low on protein. Well, uh, that, the protein is actually the least macronutrient in the protein balls, but it's called protein balls because that's what sells. And again, if, if you're looking for a treat and you can make it fit in your plans, like this can definitely work. Um, if you're doing it for your protein replacement to get more protein in, um, typically you're just getting a lot more calories in. So healthy, unhealthy, again, it depends and we got to break down all these other factors. 
Yeah, and I think it's just important to really have those conversations about these items with people. A lot of times I think we want to encourage people, of course, make them feel successful, that they're moving in the right direction. But we also have to be careful not to further discuss things like protein balls and what they really are made of. Because if we're also not educating or helping people see that, um, then it's a disservice to them as well because they're in their minds truly thinking I'm adding a lot of protein to my diet and some people aren't as oriented to tracking as others and so truly without someone pointing it out to them they're feeling pretty good about that. They should feel good about it if they're having it and they're enjoying it and it's, it's towards their goal but not because they think it's uh, serving another purpose. So just to recap what we went over, we're talking about defining healthy and this is just a mindset that you need to establish early with your clientele. One, figuring out what they really enjoy and ways to work that into their overall plan. And two, as you work with them longer and longer, what things are they saying of like, well, this is unhealthy or this is healthy and help educate them of like, well, it just depends. It depends on all these factors. What's your goal? What's your timeline? How are we trending? And where does this fit in your overall plan? So that's all we got for today. See you next time.